0: This week on Nerd Legion, Doe and I are back with the second half of season three of The Witcher. It is Henry Cavill's last hurrah. And I think we know
1: why he's leaving now, Doa. Do you know why he's leaving? <laughs> Would you stay on well, because I mean, uh, after seeing the way the last three episodes ended up, uh, I'd be I'd be out too. You know, I'd be <laughs> like, uh it, Henry Cavill said that he wants to do things in the Warhammer universe, which sounds way cooler, actually. Warhammer forty K. Yeah, we need some good Warhammer 40K live action. Like, uh, it is that is a universe that is rife with wonderful, grim, dark science fiction possibilities. So, yeah, I don't blame him. He was a great Witcher, probably will be the best Witcher. Um, you know, we'll see how Liam Hemsworth does. Um, he's, a, he's a fine actor. We'll see how he does with the role. But uh, Henry Cavill was a special Witcher. No doubt. No matter what happens after
0: this. Even though he uh, <laughs> spent most of his last few episodes either infirm, <laughs> unable to talk, lying yeah. on a bed of moss, or, or just not there. just not in the desert with yeah. Siri. Just just absent, you know? And I have to say, Joe, yeah. after, after our last conversation where it looked like it appeared that this upcoming battle and the realization oh. of Vilgafortz's betrayal... It looked like it was gonna to come to a very interesting head, and that would be the rest of excited. the season. I was excited too. I was excited too. And yet, so, uh, uh, they basically mashed all of the intrigue, the 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 climax of the intrigue into a single episode, which was episode five. Then we got a way too long sequence of Siri in a Desert with an inexplicable unicorn. Oh, it was 6, 7, and 8, by the way. No, oh, 6, 7. Yes, that's Otherwise, right. Yes, yeah. si- episode 6, I meant. Uh, mm-hmm. And then yes. episode 7, Siri is just walking around the desert for way too long with an inexplicable unicorn. Yeah. And... Then, yeah. you know, episode eight, they're just waiting for Geralt to heal. And we see some training sequences as he gets better, I guess. Uh,
1: man, it, like it couldn't have ended any worse. Like it really it really couldn't. Let's just let's just get into it. Let's go through it. episode <laughs> so, by episode. by Although so, why what I don't on, understand.
0: What, OK, go. <laughs> OK,
1: well, one one real quick thing. We have some bookkeeping to do. I feel like before we get into this, um, I've noticed something that uh, with our YouTube thumbnails and stuff, uh, our expressions haven't been quite like uh emotional enough for youtube thumbnails i thought i'm usually like this or something you know and you usually have like a little bit of one it's weird that you have more emotion than me which usually isn't the case for (laughs) that kind of thing but um but so i thought we should take a moment and make some youtube thumbnail faces for our editors okay i'm
0: sorry if you're listening to the audio only version of this There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. that's that's
1: That'll keep you good for at least, you know, the rest of the year, I think. All right. Okay. That done with. Episode six. So we had a lot going on. We had too much going on. Uh, the thing that stood out to me the most uh, was actually a follow-up from the earlier episode that I talked about where the old wizard uh, Gerhart, uh started having a heart attack. And I was worried about this. Remember, <laughs> I said, don't give the oldest wizard on the continent the horny juice because it is going to be hard in his heart. And what happened in this episode? He had a heart attack. So I'm just going to say I warned you. I warned you, Gerhard. <laughs> you should know better. They should take care of him better.
0: They they should. They should know not to give the old men the horny wine, right? It's not it's not yeah. good for your constitution at that age. No. Nope. Oh, um, yeah. I, I really wish, Doa, that everything that happened after episode six had just been pushed into season four. And I wish we could have gotten more of a buildup for episode six throughout all of the next three episodes. Like, I wish we could have had a, a better setup to the battle that was happening. I wish we could yeah. have gotten a better aftermath to the battle because there's no reason why yeah. we ha- actually have to see the desert sequence with Siri or anything that's happened with Geralt's recovery until the next season. Like, you could have just ended with, Where's Siri and Gerald is hurt after that battle with Vilgefortz. And then you could have spun out this really cool political intrigue that they had set up uh, between all the wizards in a much more satisfying way. But instead, we just yeah. get 40 minutes of Siri walking across some sand dunes. And that apparently is the hypest part and the climax of
1: the season. So I can tell you exactly what happened there. Um, <laughs> I have the ability to see into the minds of uh, of Hollywood scriptwriters and showrunners. I'm and so sorry that is that, a,
0: that is a terrible power
1: for you to possess. I didn't. I did not ask for this, <laughs> but uh, I, I I have this power regardless. But uh, so what happened? What happened? Uh, via my my psychic awareness, I know this. Is that uh, they they made the first five episodes and they're like, wow, that was great, and they're like, I can't wait to tell the rest of our story in the next five episodes. And they're like, wait, what? we only have three episodes oh all right well shoot i mean well we have to have siri have her big moment so we gotta (laughs) include like the wandering in the desert you know calling a unicorn little horse for some reason uh arc i guess we have to have that because siri can't just like be out of the series right when all the mage stuff happens she could have been actually that would have been totally fine to leave that next like you're saying um and then i guess we have to take what should have been probably two to three episodes of uh, wizard battle stuff and intrigue conclusion and squeeze it into one episode. And uh, so that's what it all, we have to squeeze all the wizard stuff together and we have to give Siri her moment, right? Because she's a star of the show too, don't forget. Um, and I mean, yeah, that actress does a great job and she's an interesting character, sure. But like, man, we did not need all that stuff. But anyway, going back to the wizard stuff. Oh my goodness. When to start unpacking things. <laughs> Let's. I've never seen so many arguably major characters die, uh, just kind of randomly in one episode. Uh, it was kind of the well, we got to clean up these little plot lines things, but let's do it in the most unsatisfyingly way possible. Uh, Method. It's
0: like if Game of Thrones killed a bunch of characters with no build up or emotional release to the audience. It was just completely yes. arbitrary. And in a way that it's honestly hard to keep track of who's dying because so many people are dying and they may or may not be dead. There's no moment yeah. when a lot of these well, people there's... die. They just fall over.
1: Right. There's the, the, one, uh, the one wizard who has a messed up face. And she just kind of, she's like, oh, I have unlimited power. And then, oh, no, roots. And she's dead. <laughs> and you're like well that was that was underwhelming of course um you had uh you had things like um uh the the elf that looks like haldir from lord of the uh, lord of the rings uh i remember the name wow <laughs> i wrote down the name in my notes as um it was uh glur Flur, Flurbin, Flurgle, <laughs> because i couldn't remember his name and that sounded appropriate he just exploded like there's spells flying all over the places there's spells that look exactly the same that just knock you back into a wall so he was literally killed by the plot spell like they just needed him to die so they're like hey we know the spell looks like every other spell has just been throwing people into the walls uh but this one's going to make you explode <laughs> i was i i laughed when that happened i was like what the what is well, happening you
0: know it reminded me of that scene uh in the first episode of the boys where uh huey is holding his girlfriend's oh. hands and a train just yeah. runs through her but the thing about yeah. the boys is that is supposed to be darkly humorous in this right. it's supposed to be actually dramatic but it's just so fucking ridiculous to
1: watch him <laughs> atomize <laughs> <and> spray <laughs> blood he's a major everywhere and i guess he's just dead now and there's no indication that this spell is any stronger than any other spell we've seen so far we know francesca has no issue just like tossing off spells so why you would jump in front of this I mean, he knew he knew it was the exploding spell and so he took it for us so well, i appreciate that way Do- to go philavandrel but yeah uh, Do- before guy, this even
0: happens before it. this even happens it's the yeah. way that this battle is set up you know i was hoping that they say, oh, yeah, the mist is coming in and it's covering the boats. Who's attacking us? Oh, it's the elves. It's the Scoia They're coming, mm-hmm. right? And so I expected this to be more of a stealth mission where the fog comes in. Maybe it's more of a Trojan horse style thing where they get into the the, the castle, Thened, the island via, you know, I don't know, stealth. Instead of Vilgefortz just literally way, cool. rocking up opening the door (laughs) and then you have some sort of you know west side story jets versus sharks just like snapping snapping their fingers and walking up to each other in a battle line how are the Squintel supposed to win they only have what francesca and fringilla's mages versus i don't know all of the mages on the continent in one room Why would you, if you were one of those Scoia'tael, why would you not try and infiltrate secretly and ambush them in guerrilla tactics? Which is what, by the way, the Scoia'tael are known for. They are guerrilla warriors who rely on stealth and trickery. And instead, we just get this straight-up
1: battle line that is completely absurd. I mean, I I don't... Also, there's no real emotional weight for me for this because, like, the mages always seemed like kind of petty and so I didn't really like any of them. So I don't really care that they're dying. I don't feel that this is some big tragedy or something. Also like, had they never did they not know you could make like anti-magic arrow tips or something like that? I mean, because a bunch of them just die right away in the first volley. You'd think being these, you know, very knowledgeable mages at least Gerhardt would know he'd be like, hey, look out they've got those uh, arrows that go through the force field but nope (laughs) They almost get shot anyway. So that that seemed really weird. There's there's also some very strange stuff because you have the drama, the supposed drama of all these main characters dying, and then you have like the twin wizards who put their sword together and start to use the most inconvenient martial art in the history of cinema. Like I've never seen anything. That is literally the dumbest fighting thing I've ever seen on the screen. I'm I'm just gonna put that out there. There's nothing dumber then putting your two swords together, and then trying to move together as this awkward, clumsy-looking unit. It's like if Darth Maul had a twin, and they tried to fight with just one double-bladed lightsaber. It is is—it is the it dumbest was, thing I've ever seen. It was
0: truly the Pacific <laughs> Rim of swords. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. They, they were interfaced, man. They were linked up.
1: But then they just unlinked later and died anyway. So uh, I <laughs> should, one stabbed the other one, in fact, accidentally. Guess they should have stayed, uh, stayed linked. But you know, you know, to, uh, no. to your
0: to your point about the dimeridium uh, tipped arrows, I absolutely wow. loathe things like this because, mm-hmm. as we know from both the show and the game, and I assume the books, even though I haven't read them, it's not that dimeridium is super rare. In fact, even at the keep when they have when Dijkstra has all the mages locked up. They have like, I don't know, 15 pairs of those dimeridium cuffs just to make sure that those mages aren't casting any spells. And at least in the games, there are dimeridium cuffs that you find on the ground just everywhere, right? And so (laughs) if they had this material in abundance to make manacles for mages to control their magic, did no one at any other point in history think about putting a tiny amount on the tip of an arrow to shoot through magic? And this is so reminiscent of the scene in the newest Star Wars trilogy where they use hyperspace to destroy the ship, which completely breaks the cinematic universe, because if you could do that, why would you not have done that a million other points in time in the history of the Star Wars cinematic universe? Similarly in The Witcher, if it was so easy to screw with Mage's protective magic, what what would have happened to any of the battles where these mages were wielding enormous powers and defeating entire armies like we saw in Season 1 when they were fighting Nilfgaard? Because yeah. they're just people. So if you can get through their protective spells by simply using dimeridium-tipped arrows, why wouldn't you have done that every other time? It would have been really easy to kill them with a thousand archers in that case, right? So I just hate yep. things like this because it ruins the entire world that you've built up
1: it's i why not just make swords out of it too or armor out of it or just like a bunch of other more practical things out of it you know why not make like a a grill out of it and just bite the mages like you could do all sorts of things with this and nobody's using it it's i don't know it there's no explanation for it the the strangeness continues though uh for instance i like um here is with them but also uh frangilla is with them but yet they don't know the other is with them until they randomly meet when they're like cowering from like the lightning attack I'm like "You, you there wasn't a whole lot of boats you'd think you would notice each other being like the only like non elves in the crew you know uh by the way how did Kahir get out of that one scene he's cowering behind a stone with her with lightning all around and the next scene He's suddenly like out on the plains, like confronting Siri and asking her to kill him. Like, begging, how, how did he get out?
0: Begging her to kill him, which, by the way, <laughs> doesn't fit with this character, because remember, he had to assassinate his elven friend to win back the good graces of Amir. So apparently he killed his friend just to go on this mission so that he could then die. He started feeling
1: bad about it later.
0: What an asshole this guy is. He literally murdered someone else to go on a suicide mission. Imagine how much of an asshole you have to be to do that, Della.
1: Yeah. I mean, his character doesn't really seem to have any sort of consistency. Like I get that he's (laughs) supposed to be like conflicted and tortured and all that. But there has to be like some like uh, some logic to it. Right. There has to be some sort of like uh, what what he what he's what he does should make a kind of sense. And it, and it doesn't. It just seems like every five minutes he's deciding to do something completely different. So I, I kind of liked that character before, but now he also now is whatever.
0: going into battle where he could easily just die, but he has to go kill yeah. a bunch of these mages first before he begs for death himself.
1: Oh, he fights the the twin mages with the dual sword thing, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, had to do that. Had to. <laughs> we couldn't have. We couldn't have had the episode without that scene. That's for sure. <laughs> That was necessary. Yeah. Oh, I also have a note that uh this episode, we should I don't know if it's possible, but I, I would love to include at this point in our video a supercut of people telling each other to go. Because that's like what half of the dialogue in this show in this particular episode was was somebody telling someone else to go. Go, 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 go. Like every scene, someone was telling someone to go. It was so weird. Go! Go! Let's go! Go
0: go to her take a search party and go
1: go go
0: go go, go. go.
1: <laughs> this episode was such a this this episode was like a fever dream of, of it's like if you imagined what then the last three episodes of the season would be and you had, like, a weird dream about it where you, like, ate some bad, like, a Chipotle or something like that before bed. I mean, there's no such thing as bad Chipotle, but I digress. Sponsor us, please, Chipotle. But And you have this weird dream uh, where everything's just moving too fast and nothing makes sense and all that. And, and you know, that's what this episode was, you know? I, I, it's the same
0: concept as the rest of the show. As we've discussed previously, it's a bunch of cool scenes independently that everyone just forgets about the instant that they're done and that no one ever refers to again.
1: Yeah, uh, we didn't even get to see Stregabor have like a cool moment, you know, where like, sure, he's he's like a jerk and he's racist and awful, but he was about to do like cool fire magic stuff. And we're like, all right, well, (laughs) that'll be that'll be neat. And he just goes. Oh, I hate elves! Boom. You know, blown you blown know, no, it was it,
0: because everything else about this show is just so blatant, and they, there's no room for interpretation. Especially mm-hmm. because it, around the racism stuff, they just made it as explicit as possible with Stregobor, where they just come out and he's like, "Yeah, I am a racist. I hate elves." <laughs> I expected him to summon like a giant burning cross just to like drive the point <laughs> oh, home no, that he is a racist. No. That's what I expected. That that was. It's the level of subtlety that these writers are on there's no reason that Strugabor is a racist by the way he just is one and he's like yes finally I get to burn up some elves because I'm racist <laughs>
1: like I thought I at least thought we would get like a cool fire magic scene you know because the, the rest of all the other comment everything else was so it's like force fields and like little wavy lines like I'm like okay let's get some like real magic going you know but like no we we don't even get we don't even get that for all the excess of all the other stuff we don't want in the episode, we don't even get like a neat, you know, special effects scene like that. We got the lightning. Um, we did. That was actually kind of cool. That was pretty cool. I actually did. I did like that. That it was supposed to be the sort of like last resort spell to sort of like defend the thing. I like the idea of that. Um, but again, like it had no emotional impact for me. I don't care about Taseya. She's she's kind of a, a dupe at this point. And, and, you know, and and the whole scene, Every you know, again, everything felt way too rushed. Uh, that when that scene happened, visually it was neat, but then I I didn't really feel anything, you know? Not that I watched The Witcher to feel things, per se, but you at least want to have some sort of attachment to what are supposed to be the main characters, right? Yeah. You'd think so. (laughs) Yeah. It just lacks all...
0: Because this was so sped through, everything really just lacked emotional weight. Mm -hmm. I, I think that this could have been a much slower role for... You know what is Dijkstra's plan while this is all unfolding? Yeah. And can we build up to the battle? Like I said, by having the Skoyatel like quietly infiltrate and maybe people are distracted by Dijkstra or maybe people are distracted hunting down Vilgefortz because instead, Vilgefortz literally just walks into the courtyard, turns his yep. back to Desea who could just kill him, right? Could just kill him. She's turns got an his, exploding spell. Turns his back to Desea and just opens the door and then walks away slowly and to say it does nothing <laughs> yeah.
1: he's like I got a scene where I got to beat up Geralt uh I'll, <laughs> I'll check you later former girlfriend uh and there you know there was oh, where? okay so the other it was just a lot of minor to slightly major characters dying to either tie up loose ends or move the plot along we have the little like the the drunk mage guy who is sort of like kind of a side character who uh philippa disrespected so much that she killed him as a bird which like whoa that is that is a major disrespect that's a wizard teabag right there where like you don't even take your own form you just like claw out his eyes and brain or whatever you just kill him as a bird he's that he was such a bad wizard he just got clawed to death by a bird like come on drunk mage i mean he wasn't even that drunk at the time i don't think there's no excuse for that summon big force fields why can't you summon a little one over your eyes
0: <laughs> he didn't expect no, the owl like... just to fly in and, and claw out his like, eyes we technically we don't know he's dead he could he just passed. be blind
1: sure i mean he seemed pretty dead <laughs> but still like that that was a bit of a swag move by philippa to be like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna kill you as a bird yep. yeah there you go <laughs> well so anyway vilgafortz fights Geralt. Which was is a very a cool scene. scene, by the way. I kind of liked it. Okay, we agreed on that. Okay, every I like, I every that time
0: fight, there's combat in this show, it's wonderful. The fight choreography is great. The way it's shot well,
1: is great. Except for the two-sword thing.
0: Look, almost all of it is great. It was incredibly cool to see, to see to Vilgaforth summoning the staff from different directions and the way yeah. the fight was playing out. I thought it was exceptionally well chore- choreographed. As I said, the Blaviken scene in the first episode is one of my favorite fight choreography scenes period ever and this one was really good as well we also get another good one towards the end of the show uh in the bar when siri is finally out of the desert so overall i find the fights to be some of the the most creative and interesting parts of this show and big credit to the actors and especially henry cavill who's been able to i assume do most of his own stunts on this stuff it looks like and and do the sword play which has been very impressive Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that scene was cool, and it almost reminded me of um, way, way, way back when, in the late 90s, when The Matrix came out, and we had some fight choreography that was really kind of on a level that hadn't been seen before at the time. At least not in in American cinema, anyway. You can go back and look at some of the kung fu stuff um, from earlier, and there's really good stuff there, too. But as far as like mainstream American cinema, we hadn't really seen fight choreography, in my opinion, on that level. And I feel like this show kind of reminded me of that a little bit, where the, like the staff thing was really unique, you know? That he's that he's doing this thing where he's making his staff disappear and then reappear exactly where he needs it to block. That is how a wizard, a cool like martial wizard ser- should fight. That was really awesome, um, and, and it, it also it, and it was kind of.
0: Oh, go ahead. It also makes sense that he would kind of cripple Geralt and then leave because his pressing yeah. concern is dealing with Ciri. So it, the whole sequence, I thought, was really well executed. Geralt gets into a fight that he knows he's probably going to lose because of how powerful Vilgefortz is. But his overwhelming priority is to stop this guy and to protect Ciri. And, mm-hmm. you know, Vilgefortz sticks around just long enough to, like, break Geralt's back and his leg. And then he needs to go. You know, he doesn't deal the coup de grace. He just leaves and, and tries to go pursue Ciri because he knows that time is of the essence, right?
1: I thought he was going to portal him somewhere because he was, like, drawing the circle around him with the staff. I was like, oh, is he going to open up a portal and drop Geralt somewhere? That would have been cool. But, uh, no, it was it was neat either way. But uh, I, I agree. That, uh, that was the one redeeming scene of the episode. But, again the episode should have really been two to three episodes and where the first quote unquote half of the season is five episodes and the second again quote unquote half of the season is three episodes you can definitely tell that they thought they were going to get another five and for some reason they did not i don't know what that reason is and so we had to have things kind of adjusted and i think unfortunately they didn't do a very good job with that they crammed way too much stuff into this episode and then we get into episode seven, I suppose we can move on to that, and that moves too slow, and not enough happens. So uh, I, you know, I felt like it was it was weird that we had an episode that did too much, and then episode seven didn't seem to really do enough, you know?
0: Yeah, because I think it, it's a perfectly fine cliffhanger for Siri to reveal the monolith that's in the tower, and mm-hmm. then have it explode and the audience wondering how she is, because you assume she's probably okay because she can open portals using the monolith. That's been very well established to this point in the series. Uh, yeah. But I do think that leaving us in suspense for the next season would have been the better move in regards to Siri, because you could have also started the next season very slowly and more methodically exploring Siri's character at that point in time, instead of mm-hmm. it feeling like a really massive pacing problem and anticlimax from the previous episode in this battle, because Siri's just dropped into the middle of this desert. You don't know if she's in another of existence like she could be on another world because we know she has the power to portal between worlds and indeed that's what the monoliths do a lot of the i time. thought
1: she was originally because the other when she did go to the other uh world it did look kind of desert so <laughs> i i i assume she was
0: i mean first. she might be i don't know if that was ever resolved
1: really um well oh, well where I mean, she, she is i mean i don't think she would be because she did she go through another portal to get to the town at the end no she, she got not? picked up in the desert uh they found oh, yeah. her so, so she was on the same continent then, because she meets up with that thief that's there when she fights the wyvern a couple episodes earlier. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah. When you when, and again, when you saw that thief in that one episode, you're like, okay, she's gonna be back. That's <laughs> uh, that's definitely a character that's coming back. <laughs> Maybe book people were like, oh, it's that character. But uh, I mean, the fact that it's so people are more like, I hate this.
0: The fact that it's so unclear, especially because of the powers that the monolith has had previously, I think is also another problem in this show, which is that it is needlessly confusing uh, by its own design. Right. So she gets dropped into the middle of this desert, and then she just goes on a forty-minute walk through the dunes that is extremely boring and has almost no substance to it, which is a shame because the whole point. Of this exercise is that Ciri is trying to come to terms with who she is and who she is going to become. And the idea mm. here is that she is so incredibly powerful that she has the opportunity to shape the destiny of the entire continent. She's basically, you know, the equivalent of Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones, where she has powers. In Daenerys's case, it's dragons. And in Ciri's case, it's her world walking abilities and her vast Eldritch magic. Yeah, vast magical talent that is in her elder blood that allows her to have this level of power. Plus the fact that she's born a noble, so she's a legitimate, she's a legitimate queen not only of Sintra but also of Nilfgaard because as we know, she is the heir to the empire. So, mm-hmm. she actually controls two m- massive realms in theory in addition to her magical abilities. So she's incredibly important, right? And so what this episode is supposed to be, and indeed, a lot of The Witcher 3, the game is also about this, is Geralt trying to teach, Geralt and Yennefer trying to teach Ciri who she should be as a just and fair ruler, and to not descend into tyranny when it's time for her to take the throne. And at the end of Witcher 3 is when she depending on what you do in the game, ascends to become the Empress of Novgorod. And a lot of the choices that are made in that game inform what kind of person she is when she takes the throne, which is very important.
1: Oh, interesting. So this, right. is,
0: this is part of a larger arc that then goes beyond the books and into the games. And it's just so badly done. It's just so badly done.
1: Yeah, I mean instead of all that that stuff that you got that sounds really cool we uh, we got Siri um, she makes out with some rocks uh, she drops a metal thing so first she uses a metal thing very cleverly to get some water um, via condensation all that she inexplicably leaves it behind uh, for the sole reason of finding it later to let her know she's gone in a circle uh, it was the the plot uh, the plot pot the plot metal thing I guess you could say because there's no other reason for that to, to happen. Um, she meets a unicorn and calls it Little Horse, which I suppose probably makes sense in the book. Um, but in the show, it just seems very random and strange because it's clearly not a horse, it's a unicorn. Um, there's fire, but it's CG fire. Really? You're in the middle of the desert? You couldn't light a campfire? Gotta CG that? sad. <laughs> just sad. Don't, um, and we- in the end, kind of boring.
0: When I say yeah. inexplicable unicorn, there is probably some explanation for the unicorn in the books however in this show the unicorn is completely inexplicable there's no reason for it to be there as far as we know it doesn't
1: do anything well she doesn't don't doesn't she talk about a couple times in the series earlier that she wants to see a unicorn at some point i think was that foreshadowing (laughs) she wants to see a unicorn so there's a unicorn what was the purpose of the unicorn what did the unicorn do Oh, it, it, she liked it enough. Oh, so okay, here's how it all works out. I've come to explain it to you again. Uh, there are earlier lines of dialogue in the show about how much she likes unicorns. So she finally meets the unicorn, follows it around, again, calls it little horse for some weird reason. And then when the unicorn is injured, she loves the unicorn so much that she's willing to use fire magic to save its life, right? So maybe if she didn't, if it wasn't so well established that she loves unicorns so much, she would not have used fire magic, you know, because she was so worried about doing that. There you go. I figured it out.
0: I guess the unicorn led her to that oasis where she could drink the water. So it did kind of save her. But the unicorn is also kind of a snooty jerk in that it won't let her ride it when she's really tired even though it knows where water is and probably could get both of them there faster. And it is effectively just a plot device for her to use fire magic at the very end. It doesn't talk to her. It doesn't really do anything besides get Uh. injured by the sand scorpion, which I thought was going to be another really cool action sequence, Doa. But instead... This, the the uh, the armored sand scorpion dies in about twenty seconds as she just rips a part of it off and is apparently so strong that she can yeah, one she shot that? it in the head <laughs> with the rock yeah. that she pulls off of it. And she pulls what? It was. I it, mean, it was as disappointing as the end of Secret Invasion with the the stupid CG arm fight, which you think is going to yeah. be epic, but then just isn't epic and is bad.
1: Yeah, I don't understand how she killed that thing. Because when she ripped it off, I was like, wait, wait, what? How did she do that? Did she just become really strong for a second? And then it's very, it's not sharp. It's clearly like not a, it's a very dull, bulbous piece of like of of chitin, of armor or whatever. And she just bashes it on the head. And you're like, I don't think this person is strong enough to do this, but we need the plot to move along. So congrats. (laughs) The unicorn already got hurt.
0: And so that's all we needed to have done. So we need to resolve the sand scorpion as fast as possible. And Mm. then what, what I really didn't like about this though was just from a character development perspective. So I was kind of down with the visions of her mom and her grandmother, uh, pushing her and and chiding her and her having realizations about perhaps her grandmother's also racism against elves and brutality Mm. as the, as the queen of Sintra. And, even though she loved her grandmother, coming to a realization that she may not want to rule with an iron fist or unfairly in some ways, like her grandmother did. But where you really lose me is the vision of this Falca woman, whom we haven't heard of previously, oh, who yeah. who just says oh is that where
1: it's from? Uh, uh,
0: her, her the vision was the na- woman oh. named Falca, who she takes the name later, and so this woman right. basically says, "I had all this power." I did this rebellion. I was burned at the stake. And she's kind of this Sith-like figure trying to lure Ciri to the dark side to use fire magic. And Ciri has all these visions of not only exacting revenge on her enemies, but also the realization that in in enacting revenge, she would also potentially do great harm slash kill Geralt, Yennefer, and Yaskir, which were her friends, right? And... Mm -hmm that was the price that had to be paid. But this Falca woman who is dead and it's never explained where these visions are coming from because they must be supernatural. Cause they're not coming from her own mind. Cause she doesn't know who this person is. Right. Yeah. Who's clearly. explaining her own life and the way that she lived this blood soaked rebellion and then was burned at the stake. Right. But we never get an explanation about where the visions are coming from. They're just there. And it's also a very, unsatisfying conclusion because it's not like Siri is coming to her own realization through a transformational wander in the wilderness it's that Mm. she's being pressured by this deus ex machina force from outside it's a brand new character whom the audience has no affinity for whatsoever and doesn't care about and who then has to literally explain her own life to put it into context and it's kind
1: of cartoonish it's kind of d- it's kind of cartoonish. Didn't make a lot of sense. Um, in fact, I uh, no joke. I totally forgot that character was even in that episode until you mention it right now. Like uh, <laughs> I and I watched I watched these about a week ago or so now as we record this, and like I totally forgot. Like uh, when at the end of the at the end of the last episode of the season when she's like, "Call me Falca," I was like, "Who?" Because <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even remember. It was that it had that little of an impact on me.
0: Yeah, and There's it shouldn't no have had an, an impact on Siri either. So to yeah. me, that's what's disappointing is, like, I would have preferred a more thoughtful, meditative experience from Siri, and I didn't mind some of the desert hallucinations because it seemed somewhat plausible that she would be challenged um, by her ancestors who she had previously revered and perhaps given them a second thought. That's part of... Yeah. Coming, you know, coming of an age as an adult is realizing that your parents and grandparents have flaws and are human beings and reevaluating your own life uh, through a different lens as you gain more independence of thought, right? And so I think that could have been done really well, and it was kind of done okay, but then the introduction of this brand new character without any explanation... So we just have two inexplicable occurrences, this Falka character showing up and this unicorn showing up. And because none of them are explained why they're there and we have no emotional connection to either of these things prior to this, the whole event just feels rather forced and hollow as a result.
1: Yeah. So anyway, she does fire magic. And uh, my last note for that episode is it's kind of a boring episode uh, because it was. And that brings us to the final episode of the season, episode eight, which uh, I mean, I, you know, calling it the best of the three episodes is kind of like calling Phantom Menace the best of the three Star Wars prequel movies. It's maybe the best of the three, but it's still not good. And that's where we're at with uh, with this particular one, where most of the episode is Geralt uh, lying on a mat and uh, eventually kind of training a little bit more, which we don't want. It's the last episode of... Henry Cavill is as Geralt of Rivia. And we just get him like training a little bit, relearning how to be the Witcher, Um, hilariously appearing behind a tiny, really skinny tree as if he was hiding behind it later in the episode. It's a 2230 uh, in the show uh, for for our producer there. You can find it there, it's hilarious. (laughs) Um, It is a normal paced episode, uh, but the questions abound from minute one. For instance, uh we wonder right off the bat, okay, what's gonna come along and in instantly heal Geralt? We know there's a way to do it. He can't be on his back for the entire episode, it's the end of the season. And then the the other question we I had initially immediately was why would he be refusing treatment at all when he's been so hellbent on like finding Siri and all this kind of stuff the entire series? Now suddenly he's like I'm sad, Geralt. I don't want to get better. I don't like, want this what? grouse.
0: Now? I don't want to eat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm too like, like, sad on. to eat. It seems so out of character and such like needless drama, right? Um, speaking of needless drama, well, do you have anything to say about that? I've, I've nope. got, I've got more needless drama. Move. Okay, speaking of needless drama, to say it's suicide feels completely hollow. How do <laughs> she we? She does know kill herself in the book, by the way. She does kill herself in the book, so it is consistent. Sure whatever it felt completely hollow and useless in the in in the show because we don't know we haven't been shown or told at all that she's any less useful now that her hair is turned white because that's the only physical difference we see from her using this lightning spell she doesn't like look really older it's just her hair turned white so i don't know we don't get any reason for her to not want to continue living the reason i suppose they're trying to tell us is that she was thinking that Yennefer would stay by her side instead of go look for Ciri if she didn't do this. But, I mean, Yennefer just spent, like, multiple episodes being like, Ciri is the way. I will always follow Ciri forever and take care of her. So, of course, she would have left. So, they're just really, I in the books or not, in the show at least, it did not seem to make any sense for her to do that. So, I got the
0: impression that it was because she felt responsible for all of the deaths of the mages and Vilgefort's deception. But that's not, that's a guess and it's not really spelled sure. out because they don't do enough with that arc. I do think that there is a plausible reason for suicide for Tesea, If we had seen her really beating herself up about what had happened in the battle and being ultimately responsible for the betrayal and unable to see clearly Vilgefortz because she was in that relationship with him and was duped, right? And so- I can see that she, because she is the matriarch of the other sorceresses, she is responsible for training these people, and for her then to basically be the re- one of the reasons and preside over the death of her pupils, I think is a very good reason why she would kill herself. Unfortunately, we don't actually get to hear her say that or yeah. have any indication that this is the reason. That is me supposing what the actual reason behind the suicide is.
1: <laughs> see, I, now you're doing what I usually do, which is try to like- No, it's bad to right. like you're out some reason right yeah i mean cuz what yeah it totally would make sense if they spent multiple episodes showing her really agonizing over this and showing the weight that it is suddenly brought upon her shoulders but we get maybe a few throwaway lines of dialogue to maybe so explain it in theory but they we do also could have oh, i want to say this hold on real quick uh we also could have seen her character change in a way where she could have become like hellbent on revenge and became like a completely Like, uh, almost like Ahab-esque character, uh, which would have been a cool turn for that character, too, you know. But, uh, nope, she's just gone. I do think they do it rather symbolically because she
0: kills herself while she knows they're at the funeral for the acolytes that had died as a result of Vilgefortz's experimentation. So the fact that she kills herself during that time period does imply that. She is too grief stricken to deal with this situation that she brought on, right? Because they went to sure. Vilgefortz's castle and had to undo the magic that turned them into the weird, you know, mm-hmm. human centipede. Uh, that <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it is, right? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> uh, there's
1: there's a word for something like that. You could use maybe chimera, maybe, or um, homunculus. Yes, homunculus. I think yes. that's I think that's the word you would use for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, it is implied
0: but again because we lack the scenes to build up to an emotional moment it doesn't actually resonate or make logical sense
1: yeah um and again it, it just uh, is another you know bit of evidence that uh tells me anyway that we were supposed to get five episodes but for some reason only got three because I think two more episodes worth of of stretching this stuff out would have probably made it pretty good you know. Um, so it, it does seem like another little point in favor of that theory, at least. Um, I haven't read up on the behind the scenes making of stuff. Maybe that's been said out there. Um, I try to like not read anything about the shows we talk about because I want to just approach it from me seeing the show, and that's it. Um, I'll read about it later. But uh, but you know, maybe maybe that was the reason. Who knows? Um, moving on to Syria, I guess she comes to a town. She gets found in the gets, desert oh, after her yeah, wandering. Right. She, captured Uh, first she
0: gets captured and uh kind of by slavers i guess i don't really know what the premise of that is but she's bound Mm -hmm. up in this bar
1: yep uh there's another dude there um this is this this is another big scene that felt like it should have been a first episode of a new season scene right where you leave it on the cliffhanger of maybe her being caught and found in the desert then the next season begins with her meeting this new, you know, crew to roll with in the new season, right? Because clearly these are season four characters. You know, obviously she has established a new, like, group to hang out with as she slowly, I assume, makes her way back to uh, Geralt and Yennefer, or they make their way to her in season four or whatever, you know. But it, it did feel like a weird, anticlimactic way to end this series in that uh, you, you have the scene that, you know, just kind of sets up the thing. It's like, all right, well, so we got the end of the last story and then we just got like a tiny, like the first couple pages of the first chapter of the next one. It's a very bizarre place to end it. Um, they had the fight scene in there, which, which you liked. I, I thought it was like, it seemed a little bit weirdly sped up to me compared to a lot of the other fight scenes in the Witcher. I felt like I could see them just like cranking up the footage a little bit because the actors weren't moving fast enough or whatever. Um, but, uh, we had that and then, and then that was, that was basically that, that was it. That's it, uh that's it for Henry Cavill. Yeah, a little bit of a yikes there, but uh, yeah.
0: I, I just don't know what this show is doing because the, the end is also good where we finally figure out what Vilgeforts' plan was by implanting the idea that Siri that the Acolytes that he kidnapped were Siri in that he creates a fake Siri to give to Emir, the Emperor of Nilfgar, oh, yeah, as a right. as a body double. And what I think is so cool about that is we don't know what Vilgeforts' plan is. And to me, hmm. again, this the most interesting part of this season has been what is Vilgeforts doing? Why, you know, he suddenly becomes the primary antagonist of this entire season. And mm-hmm. his his machinations. Why is he doing these experiments? Well, now we know why he was doing some of these experiments was to create a fake Siri who would be believable to Emir. And why is he doing this? Well, we have to wait and find out. And that is intriguing. Like I love the the political intrigue of Vilgaxfortz and his deception and the way he manipulated all of these mages to accomplish his goal and to try and help Nilfgaard win the win the war, um, which we're still understanding what he is going to get out of this, presumably a significant amount of power. And he may have designs on the, the throne of Nilfgaard as well, eventually, if he can get close enough to Amir through all of these various tricks. So, uh, but this is the the central interesting point of this story. And it was just thrown away. It was just thrown away. Um, and yeah. it gets interesting again, like I said, at the very end. But I think we could have had a really, really cool buildup around Vilgefortz. Uh, with the ending being what it is, and again, still kicking you know, kicking the can down the road on the Ciri Desert stuff until next season, kicking the can down the road on the Geralt rehabilitation stuff until next season, where you have you know, more of the politics, uh, more of the battle that was taking place at the end of this show, and ended it with a giant climax and maybe a denouement of the suicide of Tissaia, rather than these very long and unsatisfying conclusions that we had and this very weird extended period with
1: Siri in the desert. It's a really good point. Um I mean, yeah, what can you say? Uh, there was definitely much better ways to do it. I feel like it did get a little bit studioed to death, if that, uh, that makes sense. Um One thing I feel like I, I learned over the course of this series so far is that if you are a wizard, there's a pretty good chance that at some point in your career, uh, half of your face will be disfigured because <laughs> it happens a lot more than you'd expect, right? You have the one lady who's like, got uh, you know, her face is messed up on that. or the jaw fire guy. Who We didn't even talk about him. He's dead, by the way, girl, cut his head off. Uh, but before that happened, half of his face was disfigured. And then uh poor um, Vilgefortz half of his face is disfigured as well. So what for whatever reason, mages in this show, uh, half your face is going to be disfigured uh, at a rate of like probably 20% chance of this is going to happen at some point in your career. It's kind of dangerous.
0: But Yennefer had a disfigured face and then used magic to not to undisfigure herself. Consider this, doing the opposite way. The other mages
1: <laughs> don't want to do that, though. I guess you know, why didn't Vilgeforce do that or even bother using like a uh, well, uh, you know illusion? Uh,
0: she was uh she was disfigured through birth defects, so maybe that's easier to fix than being disfigured by magic. Because oh, Vilgefortz was
1: disfigured okay. in the tower explosion, right? That's true. That's true. But uh you didn't even bother putting an illusion over it. Like um what's her name? I don't even remember <laughs> I don't even remember that character's name. <laughs> like who's her? what's it? The disfigured Yeah, like uh <laughs> <Ger-Fleur-Bor-Banderm>. <laughs> The elf that exploded. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well
0: well Doa. Uh, do you have final thoughts on the season, of the Witcher? I feel like I was just baited. I, I thought this yeah. was going into a really interesting place with this battle and this big buildup, but instead they shot their load in one episode. And then I just had to suffer through extremely boring scenes in the desert where I had hoped we would see actual character development from Siri, but instead we just got inexplicable unicorn and inexplicable hooded woman Um randomly there and not really showing Syria with her own agency about coming to her own conclusions.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, what can you say? I I'll say it again. I think this, I think this season got studioed to death. I think it was a lot of, you know, I don't know if it was like focus groups or people like we need to do this and this and this. And uh, I, I would like to think that there's people on that show that would not have done it like this, but kind of got overruled by, uh, you know, executives and uh, people who perhaps have the power but not the creative acumen to see things done the right way you and I know a little bit about that uh, Working in the esports industry we've encountered that a couple times so it it definitely does happen Uh, that's what I'd like to think happened here because I I still at the end of the day, uh, despite the ruined climax of season three. I want to like this show, you know. I, do I really want so to like this disappointing. show. Disappointing. I will watch season 4. I'm looking in fact, I will say I'm looking forward to watching season 4 for multiple reasons. One because I hope that they've learned their lesson, they get the show back on track. Pace-wise, I'm looking forward to seeing what Liam Helmsworth can do with the character, uh, despite the fact that I think it's going to be very very difficult to yeah. do it as well as as Henry Cavill it was perfect. Excellent. Um but uh but again, good actor so we'll see what he can do with it um and and i like the universe uh i i'm curious again what what vilgefortz's plan is uh i like the the thing i like the villains more than the heroes in this show i think Dijkstra is cool i think vilgefortz is cool like i want to see what they're up to you know i
0: i agree with you doa and here's the thing i've already been baited by the vilgefortz story but i'm gonna get baited by it again because doa they can still make the rest of that story good it is still technically possible to make that a compelling narrative uh, with Geralt and Siri. And I am curious because I think that the idea of making the fake Siri to trick Amir is very cool. Like, that is a very cool plot point and yeah. could be done well. Now, inevitably, Doa, they're going to fuck it up. I am also curious how they can... I, I'm curious how they can fuck it up. I'm going to be honest. I am morbidly curious because I know, once again in this show, I will see a great setup inevitably disappoint me for no reason whatsoever and then they'll set up another interesting plot that will then disappoint me for no reason whatsoever
1: i think i think it all comes back to the game of thrones effect everybody wants to be game of thrones you know they wanted their red wedding episode where a bunch of people die and it's a big drama and all that but they just crammed way too much in there and it just ended up being a big you know mess right the red wedding again going making that comparison that impact because we cared about those characters and there was a ton of lead up to that one concise scene whereas like the big like wizard battle thing i mean like harry potter did it better i'm just you know and i'm not even a huge harry potter fan but they did big wizard battles better maybe you'll be a harry potter fan when they remake it as a tv series on hbo doha oh i forgot they're doing that oh no yo i actually kind of enjoyed the books but that's that's neither here nor there, um, <laughs> it's nowhere for now, and hopefully it will stay there. Uh, so we next won't.
0: week we're going to take a break from all of this garbage. Do I? can't take any more Witcher. I can't take any more musical <laughs> episodes of Strange New Worlds. I can't. I can't take. I can't take the Witcher. Fortunately, cartoon, there is no more Witch, Witcher. Um, I can't take cartoon Star Trek. I I can't <laughs> take Secret Invasion. I can't take any of this. So what we're going to do is we're yeah. going to do willow because you wanted to and yes that's what just we, like i will
1: the Down said <laughs> i wanted to yeah
0: i will not be watching the deleted disney plus show uh which you can only get through illegal means i assume these days uh hmm. because they have taken it off yeah. the streaming platform so i will re-watch willow and then we can discuss it and you can regale me with tales about what happened in the TV show, oh, to which no. I, will re- oh, no. I will react with incredulity at how dumb <laughs> I know it is. But I don't know anything hey. about the TV show, so what you're going to do is just tell me. In fact, we might play a little game. You can say, okay. did this happen in the TV show? And half of it can be made up, and half of it can be well, real, here, and I have to I've, guess which one it
1: is. I've got one for you right off the bat, then. Uh, here's your first question of, did this really happen in the Willow television show? Uh, let me think. Okay. Okay. I got one. Okay. Um, they end every episode with a, uh, a cover version of a famous rock song. True or false. Is it like a loot cover? No, no. It's, uh, I, I mean, in my, uh, well, I can't, uh, no. Okay. It's like just a rock song. I know, but is it, is it like a
0: medieval style of that no. song? Okay. Oh, no. I'm going to say yes because they're trying to be the 1980s.
1: It's pretty. It's pretty obvious. But but uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> it is true. They end every episode, including uh, they throw Enter Sandman in at the end of episode three, and you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on in this show? There was no rock music in the original Willow movie. There was no reason for it, it to be in this show. It is kind of an 80s thing
0: to do because they did have songs at the end of some of those fantasy movies that were
1: popular Willow that era not Willow you had this amazing James Horner soundtrack Got it. uh and 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 uh in the show it's it's very not to get too much into the the Willow show is it here's your extra bonus Willow chat at the end of the <laughs> Witcher season three chat Willow Disney plus series uh but it just comes out of nowhere there's no reason there's nothing else in the entire series that is anything uh, that has any indication that there should be any sort of like modern rock element to the show, but they just do this at the end of every episode. And it's it's just annoying.
0: Well, I will enjoy the trip of nostalgia about Willow the movie. I haven't seen this movie I mean, in probably fifteen plus years. So oh, it's been a 15. very, very long time for me. So I'm really gonna enjoy watching this again. And you guys can watch along too. And come back for me and Daw under Legion next week. See you then.